Welcome to the Premier League podcast, and we're here with the LDP candidate for Division 2, Anthony Bull. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Anthony. I'm pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Just got to clarify. Um, not an LDP candidate. I'm actually a part of a group. It's called the Liberal Democrats Ipswich. We are strongly okay. associated with the party, but we're not of the party. Of the party. So cool. Yeah, have to yeah. make that okay. distinction. Thanks yeah. for that. Um, so I guess let's start with when is the um, vote for the councilman position? 28th of March. 28th of March. Okay, so month and a little bit. Yeah, a month By and the a time bit. people hear this, probably about a month. Yeah. Um, so what kind of plans do you have for the city of Ipswich? Well, I suppose the plan, main three things that I'm focusing on will be uh, trying to get fairer rates. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean uh, looking at opportunities to uh, explore the budget a little bit deeper because we can get into what, what that all means in a second. But, and see if there's opportunities to reduce excess spending on like corrupt, potentially corrupt backroom deals that were done or just like um, just gratuitous spending mm-hmm. and then give that excess recovered money back to the people. Yep. And ensuring as well that future rate rises are done only if it's fiscally reasonable to do so, not because, oh, it's inflation and that means we get to put your rates up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the other two main areas are accountability. And this is very important for Ipswich because many people if listening to this podcast may know, but others don't. Ipswich's council was like pretty much completely dissolved. A bit mm-hmm. like Logan's, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That happened around what about the worse? same time. <laughs> I don't, I feel like Ipswich was worse because I don't know if a Logan mayor is in jail, but <laughs> I think the Ipswich mayor was either put in jail or he's still in jail, but yeah. There was definitely talk of jail. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, when you when your former mayor may have been in prison or may not be in prison look. now, it's not good. <laughs> not Something good. Something must have happened and it must not have been good. He probably wasn't smoking a doobie either. No. Yeah, it would be. I would have preferred he was smoking a doobie, <laughs> all right? You know, that would have been a much better thing. I'd have been like, oh, you know what? Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I'll vote for you anyway because you, you got stoned and you went to prison. Mm. You know? It doesn't matter if you're corrupt. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> I would have preferred if I found out the corruption, I'd say I'm not going to vote for you, but, mm. you know. Would you rather a, a corrupt pot smoking politician or a corrupt non pot smoking politician? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I would Good take question. the corrupt pot smoking politician because I would feel like he'd be very chill. Yeah. So the amount of corruption he could do. Probably very little because he's just like, man, I just want to chill. Man, I just, man. I just want to chill. Like, you know, like maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll buy Netflix with uh, you know public funds. You know, that's like $19 a month as opposed to $2 million a year. Oh, wow. man, that, that could be an interesting like government incentive. We're buying uh, Netflix and Disney Plus subscriptions for anyone under, uh, who earns less than 25000 a year. Wow. Just roll it out. Wow, so that's <laughs> government-sponsored uh, <laughs> entertainment <laughs> for private corporations yep. like yeah. Disney. And the uh, oh god, welfare. I didn't even think of it that way. <laughs> the, uh, the the third main um, platform I've got is uh, better roads for Ipswich. Yeah. So that includes the local roads. A lot of people in my area are saying in Division Two, where I'm running, are saying that the local roads kind of suck. Yeah. Which is really interesting because it roads make up like a majority of the budget. Mm-hmm. So true. Either it's not being funded enough, and I, I find that hard to believe, but it could be true. We need to investigate that. Or the money that is being allocated there is not being used in an efficient and effective manner. Because, I mean, yep. it's, if it's consuming most of the budget, you'd assume you'd have pretty good roads. Was it right. the Logan one where the road outside the mayor's place was the one that was being paved? And it was like 
pretty much in good nick and like that came first before everyone else's like his area like where he was literally living like the streets around him it's really common if you think about how councillors do things they look after their like immediate area and especially in front of their little like office Mm. you you need to have good roads to drive your mercedes on that's right right. yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) that's Mm. very true apparently um yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of questions when it comes to how people who are our representatives end up in these kind of uh, positions of councillor or mayor Mm. um, end up you know I guess behaving in that office and and how they ought to behave I suppose Mm. Um, it's kind of something that I wonder about like what what are you thinking um, is needed within kind of the Ipswich area at the moment when it comes to questions of accountability. What do you think that you could bring to the table um, in terms of like ensuring that these rank corruption scandals don't occur again? Some of the things I think that we need to do is understand that people, you know, power can corrupt you, you know, Mm -hmm. as an individual. I don't know if these people went into politics with corrupt intent or if it came about as a result Mm. of um, the amount of power they had. I guess you'll find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is the thing. In order to stop that from happening, we need to put safeguards in place to prevent corruption. Mm-hmm. And I've always held the belief that the strongest regulator of a bad government is not some independent organization, but a well-informed voting populace. Mm. All right. So, so what I would be looking to do initially is the Ipswich City budget, as an example, compared to other city budgets, is incredibly uh, light on detail. It doesn't tell you enough information about what is being funded where. You go to some other city budget, like what you see in Sydney, and there could be 50 pages that gives nice structured details about yeah. each category, what's being funded there, and potentially even giving a little bit of explanation if it needs some. You know, account notes, which is what you expect in like a corporate finance document. Mm-hmm. In Ipswich City Council's budget, at least their last one, it had five major categories of expenses and they didn't explain what those categories were they just said this is uh covered under maintenance this is covered under a material this is other expenses this is employee yeah. benefits and i can't remember what the fifth one is and then they don't say that's a real lack of transparency yeah exactly right so if you were looking to actually engage in any form of corruption that's- i know for a fact i would slip some of that into those expenses because you'd never find it. <laughs> yeah. Right? It'd be so easy. But if you put that in there, people can then review it and say, hang on, what, what is this? Why are we paying for that? Mm-hmm. That could be exposed as something that tied back to you. Now, we currently already record and put on YouTube our actual council meetings, but nobody watches them. Okay. Yeah. Nobody's going to sit and watch 10 hours of people on YouTube talking about local politics. Maybe if you're really stoned, you will. But no. that's because... I might. I, you might. <laughs> Mitch might. But Mitch you're not, really you're might. Not, you're not really watching it. You're just like, oh, I'm just going to watch something. I fucking don't know. Yeah. Right. So my other suggestion would be that let's just do what they do in the federal government. In the federal government, they have a program called Hansard, hmm. which is essentially the recordings... <laughs> Sorry, I guess it just spilled. <laughs> I just missed my mouth with my water. <laughs> happens <laughs> anyhow continue yeah yep. so essentially the recordings of what happens in the actual chambers of like the parliament or mm-hmm. in the senate are uh, they're recorded and transcribed into a written database that you can then search oh yep yep so 
that should be done for Ripswitch itself. Like there are soft, there is software out there if you wanted to go down that route. The cost of probably implementing that would be less than 0.01% of the actual annual budget of the city. Mm-hmm. But if it's a publicly accessible database, you could then tie into any expenses that are being listed in the budget to individuals or discussions of that expense and find out who's voted for it and find a little bit more detail on it. So instead of just being like, oh, this guy is corrupt because he voted for X, but you don't know anything about it, you You can can then see, yeah, you can look it up. Mm -hmm. And as well, adopting standard uh, accounting practices is a good idea. Like in the Ipswich City budget right now, rates or the revenue from rates, I couldn't believe I saw this. And I checked with one of my friends who has an IPA so it's a, an accountant accounting certification. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the current projected or um, amended revenue for this year is uh, I can't remember what it was. It was something like two hundred seventy-five million. Mm-hmm. Except the exact figure was what was anticipated from last year's budget. So they anticipated they would have two hundred seventy-five one six three or something like that last year for this year, and then they just copied and pasted essentially the same number. Then nothing changed. Which that's how does that make any sense? Yeah, you know it should be like, what what did we get in the last ten months and project it forward to cover the twelve months? Mm-hmm. So stuff like that needs to be done, and more accountant notes or some sort of third party regulator, not a third party regulator. What are they called? Um, uh, what are they called? Mm-hmm. You know when like uh, they're a business organization, they. Uh, Like a books person. Yeah, not not a books person. I'm trying to think what the um what those groups are. They're like Deloitte. They're uh um, God, the name escapes me. I'm drawing a blank too. Look, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you to Google Auditors. it. I'm telling the auditors. Auditors, auditors, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so it would it wouldn't be too much to ask <laughs> to actually have that. the actual budget be audited. <laughs> Yeah. Just to make sure everything does comply. Because sure. the way I see it is if I was an investor, let's say, mm-hmm. and I do a lot of investing myself, I look through a lot of accounts, um, annual reports of companies I'm looking to try to invest in because they might be a, you know, a s- solid company. I wouldn't touch Ipswich City Council with a 10-foot pole yeah. because it is so much going on under the surface that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. Like revenue is yeah. projected to go up. Expenses are also kind of projected to go up, but not at the same rate that revenue is projected to go up. But cash flow is going down. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't make sense. If you're bringing, if you're thinking of bringing in more money and the amount that you're going to pay is growing, but it's not at the same rate you're bringing it in, where the hell is the money going? Yeah. You know? Mm. That's, that's awful. Yeah, it's terrible, right? And this is, this is, is there what... Is just no to- accountability when it comes to councils because they're like a state government kind of entity? Or? Well, so what I understand is that the councils... They are kind of regulated a little bit by the state government, but the state government just says, here's a list of things you can do. You do your own thing now. Ah, right. Hmm. Yeah. So there is very little accountability for councils. And councils have to be motivated to make that accountability themselves. Yeah. I mean, Ipswich was doing the whole um, burning the... Or, or sending their trash to other countries, right? Yes, they were. And that's another concern that people seem to have is that uh, they don't want to become basically the... Uh, Queensland or Australia's giant dump. Yeah. yeah. And there was concerns that that was kind of an agreement that may have been signed, which brings into another thing that I'm looking to do. Because let's run on the assumption that the last council was corrupt. Mm-hmm. We don't know the depth of that corruption. What needs to be done is all previous agreements that were signed in the last eight years or two council terms should be reviewed. And if it's skeptical or suspicious, it should be retended. Right. Yeah. Because 
we don't know whether what was signed is corrupt or whether it was in the interest of the people. Mm-hmm. Because if if the people were really providing, like those service providers, were really providing the best service at the best price, well, then they wouldn't need to engage in any form of corruption because they would just get the contract. Yeah. So I feel like there might be something there. We should at least have a look at it to make sure that it's all above board and all okay. Sounds very reasonable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Because we're on a podcast, I'm just curious, if you got in, mm-hmm. could you start the Ipswich City Council podcast? I think that'd be good. I would like governments to do podcasts. I could. I mean, if I wanted to. Because you're talking about before, like, no one wants to listen to a 10-hour talk. What if there was, like, a weekly summary of the talks where you kind of had a chat with maybe someone that was involved or maybe a local um, person who was interested in politics? I'd really like to see that dialogue happen in politics. It doesn't because podcasts are inherently, like, way more transparent than most things um, unless they're being edited like crazy, but then you kind of know. that's I, just something I always thought would be interesting. I, I don't have a problem with something like that. My issue would be whether it was coming from the city council or for private independent citizens. Yeah. Because I definitely don't think it should come from the council because when the government is able to control the flow of information, they're able to tell you what they want you to believe yeah. and keep other stuff they don't. Yeah. Okay. But it could be something like the QT, which is a local yeah. newspaper could have yeah, a podcast. The, yeah. And they should be getting on mm. local members and things. I'd really like to see that across like state and federal, someone that really kind of grabs a member and chats to them for an hour. And it's like an unedited cast, like, mm. and get their true opinions and beliefs on like issues, because right now all you ever get is a soundbite and that's really frustrating. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of the, the news media coming from, or just being propagated throughout Australia, it's got an agenda. It's got a very ideological mm. tang to it. Mm. And, um, I mean, it's not necessarily that that's a bad thing in news. Like, everyone has their own opinions and mm. it's part of how the news is interpreted, etc. But the way that it's presented as fact and the way that, like, a lot of these news organizations just exist within the cultural and economic frame, if that makes any sense. No, no, they makes have, sense. They have certain... Um, have you read, like, uh, I guess the, the main one is uh, Noam Chomsky's work? Like he talks no. about the propaganda model. No, kind of I, I can't say I have, but I did study propaganda at university. Right, right. Or as we call it, you know, uh, advertising and marketing. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And a, and a lot of that is just like, you know, the people who get to, uh, regardless of whether you're mm. a government or a private entity, the people with the power to distribute information get to decide how that information is distributed. So they have like, you know, the ability to shape opinion. Mm. Um, and that's become more fluid as the internet has developed and evolved. And in a way, like the question is, how do we move from a situation where it's not locked down by like the Murdoch press and corporate media? Yeah. Because they aren't accountable to the people either. Yeah, you know? I, d- I definitely think that the Murdoch press or any of these large corporate medias are a bit of an issue. But I think yeah, the yeah. internet itself has been one of the biggest, the biggest blows to the um, and they're losing money yeah they're losing a ton of money yeah like i know that a lot of people will say like murdoch's are they won them the election and they definitely had an effect for like the liberals Mm. but because of the power of like the internet and of independent media even your guys like your podcast here sure i feel like that power and influence has eroded from what it was back in like the 80s definitely rupert murdoch won margaret thatcher the election in the 80s yeah sure yeah yeah, it, 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 it's slowly slipping. You can see it. I, like, you know, maybe in another 10, 20 years, they probably won't have a strong foothold at all. The only question will come down to is uh, how regulated our internet gets. That's kind mm. of, I think, uh, the yeah. big fears for a lot of people. It's like right now we're living in 
the world of the free internet mm. or mostly like, you know, Google still kind of fucks with your results a little bit. Yeah, you've got Facebook and, and Instagram. And they kind of tailor things to you. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you want information on something and you want that other side, you'll get it. You'll find it. Maybe at a cost, um, at a value cost. <laughs> but. Um, but one of the things like I've seen is like, you know, you've got China that has their big firewall mm-hmm. and like they're not letting that outside information in nearly as much. And I've heard Russia's also starting to play with those ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, even the European unions and stuff, they're kind of talking about like everyone's trying to kind of create like a intranet effectively like yeah. their own kind of closed circuit internet um which is terrifying in my world i reckon it's just because um the free open expressive developments that are occurring mm. you know inside and outside of the market these days um they actually threaten established powers in the status quo yeah there are a lot of creative people doing awesome shit and uh they threaten the existing systems of power so yeah that's that's something to look at, I guess. If we can actually, um, like, I think that they're, they're getting more aggressive about that because um, they're no longer like just sitting pretty uh, in in their position of being able to control public debate. Well, like, yeah, I feel like not only with the internet, but I'm going to bring up blockchain as an example. There <laughs> are, like, yeah, there are actually like um, smart contract based uh, applications that are looking to try to decentralize the internet. Some yeah. of them are kind of bs but some right. of them have some, some amount of promise i i'm such a crypto nerd that like oh my god oh really when you mentioned blockchain i'm just like oh he's got my heart oh really i love yeah. block, i love blockchain blockchain's as well. just incredible yeah. like for me like the idea cool. of what's possible with it is mm. just beyond i think anything we can actually even comprehend yet mm. um the thing that i think excites me most is the idea that you could create platform a platform like YouTube mm. and you could say, load up a bunch of coins, your credits on YouTube. And then the creators who make that video directly get a small portion of your coin for watching that video. But uh, then- Steam it. Could, steam it. Yeah. yeah, steam it's a good one. Um, but then I think one of the cool things would be the, the creator could also go, I actually want more money for this because mm. I spent- fuck tons of time making it or whatever reason they have for it and go, I actually want a dollar and you get a prompt and it's like, okay, you have to give a whole coin to watch this video Mm. um, because it's maybe a movie or something and they get it directly and not any third party and they can actually show what they want for real value. If you want to talk about like ride sharing, for instance, that would revolutionize things if you didn't have Uber or Didi taking like a cut. Yeah. Yeah. I mate, advertising as well yeah right because like one of the biggest problems with advertising is when you're advertising on google's uh, search ads this person then goes to your website you don't know necessarily if they're the same person who came from facebook mm. you have no way of tracking them in the actual flow with cryptocurrency or like through the uh, basic attention token as an example yeah. you would be able to do that and that would just revolutionize the entire uh, marketing landscape mm. so like there's so many applications for blockchain and i'm a huge supporter of it myself yeah um I don't know if the party necessarily has a stance on blockchain, but I personally do. <laughs> right, right. Um, I was wondering. I, if I actually LD did see um, LDP today. Stuff. They put up a, pl- a post about um, uh, accepting other forms of currencies and making that yeah. standard. I saw that pop up today, as, and it was, I was like, "Oh, thank fuck, someone's mentioned something." Yeah, as far as I understand, the uh, the policy is that we are in, open to accepting other currencies, uh, but not necessarily having a specific policy on blockchain. blockchain. That's as far as I understand. Um, it's interesting because what could happen to the Australian dollar if, you know, a lot of people moved on to Bitcoin or other variants. A lot of people should move on to Bitcoin. They should but fucking you know, do it. Like, like yeah. <laughs> all my savings. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but almost. That's, that's how I'm helping to fund some of this campaign. I'm like, oh, i got to sell some of my Bitcoin. Yeah. All right, done. I, uh, I've had a very good month with Ethereum. I've... Um, 
fuck, I think I'm up like 40% this month. It's, it's been good. Yeah. It's, fucking, it's been a good month. It's mm. been really, really, really good. Um, I guess you just have to, I don't know, like be one of those analysts when it comes to how things are fluctuating. And you just got to actually follow what's happening. Yeah. What's the trend? You don't even need to be that clever with crypto. You just need to actually follow what's happening and then you can actually just ride that boat. You trade, Find the, the, trade, trade the trend. Yeah, trade yeah. the trend. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but okay, we're a cannabis podcast and we haven't actually talked about cannabis. So let's uh, let's throw that in somewhere. Quickly pivot over to weed. All right. Smoked weed counselor. Oh, no. Elect. Potential oh. counselor. Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah, of course I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've done it. I did it once and I didn't. I, it was fine, but I never really got into it. Yeah. Like um, I myself have a um, actual condition called idiopathic hypersomnolence. That's a lot of it's words. It's a lot of words, but the long and short of it is that I wake up every day tired ass. Oh, okay, yep. yeah. So for me, any type of like drug that makes you sort of more mellow and chill is not something yep. I want to do. Right. So I'd just be more tired. Yeah. Are you aware of um, like, I don't know how much knowledge you have on cannabis, but are you aware of indica and sativa, like the two different types of cannabis? No. Okay. So this is interesting because you're saying you're full of sleep, et cetera. Mm. But there are cannabis varieties, sativa strain. Um, they came more from like the Afghanistan kind of region where they produce a lot of hash. Um, it's actually an uplifting high. It's actually more energetic and it actually gets you mm. up and quite mobile. It still has a bit of a drowsy effect because it is in that vein, but it is actually a much more of a stimulating effect. Um, and especially if you're getting plants that are like a hundred percent sativas, uh, those things like a particular strain, um, is called green crack. It's mm. called green crack for a reason. If, if you have green crack, you're going to be, you just kind of can't stop. Um, so it's really interesting because one of the things we're trying to do at fab is mm. educate the general public and even just regular people who smoke cannabis, because mm. a lot of them just sometimes don't know, especially in Australia, cause the culture hasn't been formed yet, um, about these kinds of things. Like, uh, yeah, like even not about all cannabis is the same. <laughs> there's a lot of hybrid hybridization yeah. at the moment. Like mm. I don't think you could say that any one strain is pure sativa or indica. No, you can. Um, the way that works is your land races, right? Uh, yeah. So right. land races are strains of mm. cannabis that have been growing in like um, a region for millennia, and they've effectively become the most potent in that area. Sure. Yeah. So the Durban poison that comes from South Africa, that's a 100% sativa that grows wow. two plus meters tall. So it's effectively a fucking tree. Um, but that's a really strong energetic high. Um, but I guess they're an exception to the rule. Yeah. Mm. The, the, the land races are really where a lot of it is. And then you have to hope that you're mixing, but generally, yeah, you're not finding 100% sativas, but a lot of the time now you do have that, especially in the States, you know, um, this is what's really frustrating when you've got, um, an unregulated market. Mm, so behind it's, 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 it's just, how would we put it? Like the knowledge isn't there. You know, mm. people don't know what they're smoking a lot of the time. And, um, well, I think it's a lot to do with the, the fact that they've made it illegal yeah. so that people can't innovate. Like mm -hmm. you look at the United States when they started making it illegal, there are people out there, not just like you or I, I you know, we might be like, Oh, I'll put a thousand dollars. There are millionaires, billionaires out there who'd want to put in 10, 20, hundred million dollars into investing into cannabis. And yep. they are. And yeah, they, they are, are doing it actively, but they're not going to touch it if it's illegal. Yes. Yeah, so they have to go underground and you don't have the education and this sort of mm -hmm. diverse understanding of the different crops. Like I had no idea about the two things. It's yep. such a complex thing. Now. Isn't that like bizarre? Like yeah. you, uh, what your assumption is, weed makes you sleepy and dopey has now been flipped. It has. Yeah. And it's like, what's going on? Like, yeah. 
Um, and like, I, for me, we were talking about the internet before and what it's actually enabled. Cannabis is like exploded because of the internet, mm. right? People have now started to be able to talk and express and share ideas before the only way that would happen is when you'd meet people, uh, and a bit of books. Mm. Um, and that was really how people were doing a lot. Um, Amsterdam became like kind of a central place where a lot of breeding for cannabis plants was going on. It's um, funny because I don't think that like the usage has increased all that much, but it's probably the connectivity of the culture, yeah. like, the amount of people who actually know each other and can do shit together. What's amazing is Australia has some of the largest cannabis use in the world. Really? Yeah, it's and, true. and has yeah, for decades. It, it's like, been very consistent here. I think partly because we've got the kind of climate and in general, Aussies are kind of chill. So it kind of mm. just matches with the lifestyle. Um, things I often think about is like how much tourism dollars are we losing out on? Yeah. Things like that. Like, it's just yeah. absurd. Well, how much money do we make in alcohol sales every year that we could be, yeah. like, increasing You're right. by legalizing marijuana? Excise is, mm-hmm. is probably one of the biggest revenue yeah. raises for government. I mean, I'm not a fan of taxation, but, you know, it will be taxed if it was <laughs> legalized right, and yeah. there is some budget there. Yeah. The, you could imagine how high it would be taxed. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's my thing. other concern, too. If it got legalized, I'll say, you know, worries, we'll, we'll make it legal, but we're going to tax it on the same rate as cigarettes. Even though that makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to tax the people who are smoking at the moment, the rate mm. that they're being smoked. Yeah, yeah, but I they'll agree. just say, oh, this is just for, you know, uh, just to make healthcare sure that costs. healthcare costs that might happen and we'll keep it all safe. Same thing would happen if they went for vaping. Yeah. Right. You know? The vaping is something that really upsets me more oh, than cannabis the US all the time. Is really it's really coming down on vapes at the moment. Right? Yeah. Do you, have you read Trump. the recent study, actually, that got. So that you know, that study that came out that said, oh, cannabis link, uh, sorry, not cannabis, uh, right. vaping is linked now to uh, heart attacks. Whoa. Yeah. Right. That was something that sort of triggered off Donald Trump saying, oh, you know, vaping sucks. Yeah. It's because there was uh, v- vitamin E contamination happening. Yeah. Right. So right. the other thing is, though, these people who did the study came out and said, actually, we do. We look back and we need to sort of rescind that actual paper Damn. because yeah. the people who were doing vaping were also ex-smokers and we didn't factor into the into the actual like model whether their previous uh, smoking was contributing to it. Yeah, yeah. And so that thing that came out to scare everybody is now being pulled off. Yeah, you know? the other big one that popped through was... Um, uh, I don't know if you know what dab pens are. It's probably as newer tech for you. You might know. Um, but... Dab pens are effectively uh, THC oil, right? Mm-hmm. So you've extracted the oil out of the bud and you've put them in a cartridge and you hit it like a vaporizer. So very similar to like how nicotine vapes work, but you're not using the PG, VG stuff. You're using actual oil oil uh, and the distillate that helps kind of make it not as thick. Um, but that's where uh, these deaths came from, apparently. And a lot of people are like, people are dying from cannabis. What the fuck? No one's ever died from cannabis. Yeah. Like, right. And, and I, like for me, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and yeah. what's actually happened is you've got the black market um, and even uh, maybe potentially some of the legal market because of uh, like not being regulated enough where they've used moldy buds. Yeah. They've used um, not sterile equipment They're to just create this oil. Mm-hmm. And the there was this vitamin E good. toxicity that came through in these oil cartridges and it actually caused um, lung failure and all sorts of things. It wasn't a result of the cannabis. It was a result of the process. The process. 
and you know obviously not having any form of regulation is just kind of and a lack of education around how to do these things because a lot of people especially in australia they'll create their own fucking dab pens yeah and they'll fuck it up so like the way um one of the extraction methods to get um the cannabinoids and thc out of cannabis is to pump butane through it through a really high mm. pressure kind of tube so you fill a tube up put your buds inside and then you run a can of uh, butane through it mm. and then at the bottom it's dripping out onto a tray and then eventually that butane would evaporate and the oil left behind is your oil that you can mm. smoke yeah but butane is highly explosive <laughs> yes and also kind of toxic if you don't and it's yeah but were these being done in like sort of back room sort of yeah, yeah okay so. but th- th- this is all a result of government inaction you know like th- this is why it happens they can make a choice now to open up the whole space they, they should open up the whole space. Because if you open up the whole space, these kind of backroom things, they will still exist, but they'll be very niche. Yeah. And most of it will be like highly industrialized, sort of like sure. highly mechanical. And, and that might rob some of the soul of it, but it will increase the safety you know, because I, you want to keep more of your customers. I wouldn't be against like, um you know, oversight and licensing, stuff like that, to make sure that people who are actually producing this shit mass scale um, mm-hmm. are at least like hitting a certain standard. Yeah. That's yeah. at least my opinion, but... I, I know that there's definitely um, room for, you know, forces that have been enforcing prohibition to kind of like legalize in quotations, you know, where they, you know, they either hike up the prices in the legal market, making illegal markets attractive mm. uh, to people, or they do something silly like, you know, limit the amount of plants that you can grow in your house or yeah. um, just just stuff that really prevents people from actually having a legal plant around see see, like you have the greens guys right on the federal level they've put up the idea of legalizing cannabis and having a government body help regulate it and yeah yeah wholesale distributor like an agency we don't need that i don't think we need that either let me tell you why we okay so this is coming from my personal background i don't want to speak too much of it because we've just gone through it but having an independent regulator organization is the worst idea you could ever have because it's not that it's like this independent organization that sits there and is really interested in people's health. They might be. They might be also misinformed about people's health. Could they be might true. be using bad data. And if you bring in new data, the laws that regulate that agency might say, look, you might have this great data here, but the laws we have to follow and interpret clearly say, well, we can't listen to you. But what about, um, we have a productivity commission here in Queensland, which is an independent commission, and they just recommended that we decriminalize not only cannabis, but MDMA. So that's policy evidence-based. They're not fucking up. They're doing their job. Why can't we have something like that for cannabis? Like I'm saying, could, yeah. I'm saying that there is, there is, you know, well, room for corruption there. Well, what you could have as well, though, is if you were to have, as the flip side of this, is you get something like the TGA. Yeah, all right. So recently in the TGA came in and basically nearly wiped out the entire sports supplements market uh-huh. by fuck trying the TGA, to TGA, man. Yeah, fuck them, right? I, I totally <laughs> yeah. I totally agree with that. Because like they didn't seem to care about what would happen in the supplement market. And the Goods Act itself, as a great example, has special exemptions for homeopathic medicine. Mm. If you're really caring about people's health and all that stuff, you wouldn't have exempted homeopathic medicine. Sure. So that's my concern with regulators. Like, yes, they can do good, but it's when bureaucrats sort of work within legislation yep. to try to get the benefit for themselves. 100%. And that happens. So yep. we need to be careful if we're going to propose something like that. Mm-hmm. For sure. See, because like, there definitely needs to be regulation. There's no doubt. In my who, mind watches that, the but, yeah, who watches the watchers? Yeah, who watches the watchers? Let's get another body. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's the multiverse. <laughs> but like, I think it brings back to my original point where I think that the best regulator of anything is 
individuals who are more well-informed okay. to transparency as well. Because the free market, it, I believe this, and I know a lot of people in the, the Liberal Democrats do believe this, that the free market is can regulate itself. Mm. As long as individuals are not, you know, being deprived of information by mm-hmm. sort of government regulations. Yep. I know people will disagree. People are like, oh, it's bullshit. <laughs> I, I, I want Mitch's opinion on this because Mitch, Mitch has some really interesting thoughts on the free market. Yeah, I, I think that there's no such thing as a free market and that it's a kind of abstraction. If we're talking about, you know, a certain field of economics, Milton Friedman, uh, Hayek, that kind of thing. Plenty of economists who follow that kind of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't just I just don't know. It's a bit like um, communism in the sense that it's never been tried. Um, well, and we kind of exist in a, in a spectrum, like a political spectrum. Look at our, our economies today. We live in mixed market mm. economies. So we have this, um, you know, thing, this, this whole like property rights thing that we talk about where individuals get to have their own property. That's enforced by the state. That's a legal right. Mm-hmm. And I, that's actually enforced by the military and by the police. So if you're thinking about that, that's force. That's force upholding the market, which is supposedly free. So, if, you know, and that's the thing. There are class dynamics within the market at the moment. We're talking about people who are insanely rich, billionaires, who, you know, even if you were back in the fucking uh, Roman age or Egyptian age mm-hmm. when the pyramids were being built, right? Uh, which is way, way older than the Romans. <laughs> just, just to clarify. Um, you'd, you'd have... The situation where if you started with zero dollars and every day you added ten thousand dollars to your bank account mm-hmm. and you allowed for inflation up to today you would still not have like ten billion dollars that's what we need to start talking about how there's just this insane concentration of wealth and power yeah and i'm not talking about i'm not trying to get into the argument of like capitalism versus communism what mm-hmm. i believe is that there needs to be a space outside of markets and states because if you don't have that, people don't get freedom. They don't have the ability to be free because they're either being controlled by the market or controlled by the state. They or either have or, to follow supply and demand or they have to fucking follow a bureaucrat. Or the state works with the leaders in the market. And that's the thing. They, the are, they are cohesive. They are together. There's no such thing as the market and there's no such thing as the state. They work together and have worked together for hundreds of years. They don't exist independently and they will never fucking exist independently. That's what we need to get with. So we need to abolish the state. Abolish the fucking state, cunt. That's what I believe. And I'm actually more of an anarcho, um, I don't know, I'm very left wing, like I believe in communitarian kind of shit. So an an- you'd be more well, like an anarcho syndicalist. Yeah, yeah, anarcho, like I, I call myself a communalist okay. because yeah. I believe in Murray Bookchin, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like the idea that we need to be um, basically in harmonic... Um, in, in harmonic like dynamics with the natural environment because we are the natural environment yeah. um, for as long as we're using the market which is this thing that needs to continually expand at a certain rate and accumulate that is its basic dynamic of the capitalist marketplace at least um, to accumulate capital right which is basically money capital and then money squared kind of like mm. it, it expands and the whole point of that is that you're not taking into account the externalities and the externalities is the natural world and we're facing an extinction crisis as a result of that so if we rely upon the market to solve our problems our problems won't be solved that's what i'm trying to say <sighs> well i agree with the abolish the state part <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. For me, the way I I look at um, how Mitch says it, really, the way like I kind of break it down just because I relate everything back to cannabis. I love weed. Yeah, bro. So like the way I look at it is say you had a free market for cannabis. The people who are going to end up succeeding in that free market are people who already have so much wealth. Mm. Right. It's not really a free market because me as say like, you know, the classic mum and pop store. 
we're not going to be able to get in because there's going to be over-regulation and the only people who are going to be able to get over that are going to be the people who have the money. Mm-hmm. Well, or, that's true. Some of them will be those wealthy people. There'll be Others will be those who found startups or other organi- sort of corporations. Sure. It's just, so, yes, the wealth... Wealthy people can get wealthier, but then you will have the other innovators who will come in and join that wealth. It's just the end for me. A lot of these markets, like cannabis or not, it's just like that entry to get in is so ridiculously difficult because of all everything that comes with so um, anything that that kind of power concentrates. Ultimately, that's why you see stuff like duopolies, monopolies develop within the market, and the state doesn't regulate the market to prevent that, right? Because they are in cahoots with the market, just Mm. like the market is in cahoots with the state. So there's this situation where, okay, if we're talking about cannabis, right? There's um, a lot of stuff that we can relate back to um, letting people make their own decisions and all of that Mm -hmm. and freedom and expression. I'm really about those values and those ideas. Um, And I think that there are ways to develop like something like that in the market. The problem is that is you you have a kind of competition or a zero-sum game within the market. Mm. So people are actually competing against one another for dominance within the market. Um, and that, I mean, there maybe there's a space for that and I don't have to always speak to what's right or wrong. But um, what, what I do think is that uh, the cooperative spaces, right, where people can actually like maybe a cannabis club or like mm-hmm. a, a place where people can actually share their resources and ideas and all of that is profitless and it's seamless and it's like transactionless you know and it's free in in a sense that isn't developed within the market where you do need to have these things so for me like okay imagine if you could get a lot of what you need like basic needs Mm -hmm. just from the community because you give to the community the community gives back to you that's actually how i see politics and economics Mm -hmm. you know like politics is something that's relational we're thinking about relationships here and talking about relationships and we can decide to compete against one another and we do within the marketplace the the modern one the contemporary one Mm -hmm. because that is the dominant value the dominant value system of our society but we don't have to always be doing just that we could decide to do a variety of things yeah and if someone wants to voluntarily join an organization or group like that that sounds fine to me. I mean, I want to do that. Yeah, like we, even people who are strong capitalists will join organizations yeah. like that. It's just right. for some other thing. I mean, you could be like, as a contemporary example, might be like if you joined a board game society. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. You know, and you're basically just there to hang out, spend time. You become friends with people. You bring your stuff. They bring their stuff, and you play. And I don't know why I thought that, but you know, it's an example. It's to yeah. plug the uh, yeah. ultimate sesh that we're making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come and play a card game. Coming soon. <laughs> December. Yeah, yeah. 2020. Yeah, like, wait out, wait out. It's and then, then when it gets to November 2020, you'd be like, oh. Uh, 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 no, uh, we've literally, like, tried April to plan this April 2021. <laughs> we planned this backwards going, we need to get this done by this, this, this. We actually this. have some, oh, actually, those aren't trading cards. I have some trading cards at home, which I'm just going to, like, stick on. And Yosef yeah. has this as well in Veronica. We're just going to, like, create our own card decks and be cool. we're just doing like, like normal run. decks and we're trying you to should get, the get like magic the gathering cards and then go to friday Ooh. night magic with your like with, with yeah. your thing with a glued on and then when they start playing they'll be like what the, what fuck, the fuck is this, is this? <laughs> yes. it says get me a joint right what is it what do you think it says <laughs> on, man. And Where's my like, joint? i can't do it and it's like well then you lose <laughs> game over uh, i win um it's it's we're in 2020 and i think um the world's it's going to be a really interesting year what happens on the political landscape particularly with the US and the Queensland election Mm, because we were talking to Michael Berkman last week and he was telling us like it's it's interesting um, 
how disgruntled everyone in a Queensland is. No one wants that Liberal government to come back in because yeah. of Campbell Newman. Yeah. But no one's particularly happy with the Labor government at the moment. Yeah. They're pissed off. Everyone's pretty pissy. Is this the is, is this the year where the minor parties actually have a chance to come up in Queensland? I definitely think they have a shot. Personally, this is my personal thought. I definitely think they have a shot and it's worth putting all of your money and effort behind them if yeah. you do believe in those principles. Yeah. My problem with sort of like the way that the current state government and even just like um, lower house is set up is that in order to win, you kind of need to get 35% of the yep. vote minimum first preference True. because yeah. then you, you try to get through on preference flows. So like as an example, One Nation who had, of all the minor parties, we'll call them minor party, mm. probably had the biggest support in Queensland. The last state election, they got 20, 25%. Something now, like a lot of people don't like them. I'm not a big fan of them, but <laughs> still, you know, fan, this yeah. is a contemporary example. They didn't get any seats. Uh-huh. You know? That's not really fair, is it? Because, like, they were a portion yeah. of the population. Yeah. For me, I, um, I think we said this with the Berkman one. Um, I don't think parties should exist. Parties fundamentally shouldn't exist. It should be on the individual that we vote for, not some sort of party ideology. Because how can everyone be like, yep, I agree with everything these people say. Or like even it, like, I don't know, like a region just decides on its own. <clears throat> like it has a big fucking meeting and it goes, mm. all right, this is what we're going to go for. And we'll take a delegate and the delegate will decide. And they'll take the fucking, there'll be a big meeting with the delegates. But they're just like representing a region. So it's not like, you know, party mm. politics or whatever. It's just like how to get problems solved. Look, uh, Trying to get rid of parties would be great. It's I think that's the ideal for a lot of people, but parties are a natural evolution of politics. Yeah. Because if we didn't have parties, guess what it would be? It'd be a whole bunch of independents with ads funded by other organizations. True. True. Or it'd be something like, instead of the Labour Party, it'd be the Labour Coalition of uh, Unions. Yeah. We support this candidate in that area. Yeah, that's fair enough. That yeah. makes sense. I guess the thing is, right, um, it's the voting systems in themselves. I mean, Australia is better than the two-party oh, kind of like... Australia's uh, preferential system is First past the post good. kind of shit, yeah. you know. Um, but I think there's plenty to be said about, like, because you've got those two majors in there, they're not going to create some massive electoral reform that no. empowers these minor parties in the mm. crossbench, you know. I, I do say that the best way, at the very least, of eroding their ability to continue to con have this duopoly of, I don't want liberal because... Campbell Newman, right, versus Labor kind of sucks, is vote for the minor parties because yeah, uh, those parties, those major parties, everybody who gets like a certain percentage of votes gets electoral funding. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, 100%. I don't know what it is in state. I know federal, it's, it's like a significant amount, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It also ha acts as a very good indicator that, yes, our policies are great. So if you had a liberal candidate who's like, oh, we have these policies for the entire liberal party and he, just, he wins or Labor, he's not going to change his yeah, views true. because why would I you know true. why would I raise a, uh, a big mess or a big whatever we want to say don't rock the boat don't want to rock the boat that's a good yeah, one yeah that's it he doesn't want to rock the boat because maybe he wants to actually be on cabinet in labor so I'm not going to rock the boat I'm not going to say anything I'm winning just fine but if they start to see as an example in a labor uh, seat so over time their vote starting to go out to places like uh, the liberal democrats or even the greens you know mm -hmm. they're going to have to go oh crap we maybe need i need to done. go and steal some of their policies and yeah, yeah. whilst you i'd prefer the liberal democrats didn't have its policy stolen by another party <laughs> 50% of what you want is better than the 0% but that you get oh, yeah that's no doubt. it and um, you know those um those parties or those individuals who are representatives who are outside of that duopoly mm. they have the potential to mix things up and yeah. present new policies and um, even what you were talking about like studies and um, 
public information campaigns, all of this stuff can make an influence on the big difference on the parliament. I mm. guess. Absolutely. Um, one thing I, I have, I wouldn't mind getting your thoughts on. Um, I personally do like the Liberal Democrats' idea of small government, right? Mm. But do you think that's a problem in Queensland where we've abolished the upper house? <laughs> Isn't that a fucking pickle? It it is very very difficult. Yeah. Um, unicameralism. I I'm very well. See, the small government doesn't mean we wouldn't have <laughs> an, an upper, upper house. house. Yeah, right, I think an upper yeah. house is great because it acts as a nice check and balance. It's, it's your system. auditor. Yeah, essentially, it would be some form mm. of an auditor. Um, whereas a smaller government is more like the government's interactions with the uh, the market and what yep. it provides. What do you think about like parliamentary salaries, that kind of thing? Um, the, there's a lot of I don't know government subsidized um, retirements and stuff like that. Uh, so from what I understand, like any of the retirements. They no longer exist for ones if you're elected now. Yeah, right. they did remove that. So I'm yeah, I'm fine with that. The salaries, they are quite high. And I feel like uh, for something like federal, you are getting paid a significant amount of money. But and this, the problem with saying what I want to say is that it'll make me sound like I'm being classist or something like that. <laughs> but a lot of these people were experts in their fields or very strong, came from very, um, maybe maybe they were CEOs or maybe they were- High-level lawyers. High-level lawyers. Yeah. They were getting paid probably more than they were in their actual role as a That's MP. True. So having at least a high enough salary to attract people to like that caliber to stay is not bad. It also can potentially prevent corruption if we sure. have the transparency sure. in place. Because mm. if a person is getting paid roughly the same amount they were getting paid in the private sector, they probably wouldn't act any different than they were in the private sector. Yeah, it's just, you know, those kickbacks. And, and whilst, you know, mm. we could lower the salary, mm. that's really just more of a gut thing. Like, oh, I, I, I hate politicians. I yeah, but it's very popular. You don't save that much money in the budget by doing sure. that. So it's yeah. probably not the smartest idea. Mm. So you're more interested in what um, politicians are spending public funds on? 100%, yeah. Okay. Because, cool. like, if, if a politician's making a decent amount of money, okay, fine, whatever. But if he's then spending your money that he's not allowed to spend the money on something for himself or for deals that he gets little kickbacks on, that's 100% wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's and an abuse of whole your trust. revolving door thing as mm. well where people can um, enact a certain policy that will just benefit uh, a developer or an interest mm -hmm. or even just a, a certain, well, you know, demographic of people. Bringing it just back to cannabis really quickly. Malcolm Turnbull and his wife owned a fucking huge portion in a medical cannabis company. Mm, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and they also, I think they also owned a lot in like a pharmaceutical company. So like there's an invested interest going, no, I, of course I don't want to legalize recreational because they would lose out on that. Because for whatever reason, politicians really don't understand, or maybe they do and they just ignore it. Recreational and medicinal cannabis, same fucking thing. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. It's the same goddamn plant just because you grow it behind fucking walls. And like, it's really weird. What we're seeing is you're going to slowly get these people out of prison, but you're going to put these plants into a prison because they're literally behind bars yeah. um, with giant fluorescent lighting. So it's it. Th this is the kind of stuff that I think maybe needs to be more transparent. Should we maybe be able to know where investments of a politician belong because that would allow you to see where their biases like, are you know their tax returns and stuff yeah get, I, th I think they background. I think they do have to declare their actual um, investment is that interest. public though I think it is I'm not uh, I don't quite well you can quote me on it all you want but because <laughs> my, my quote is I think so but I don't know for 100% yeah because yeah. <laughs> it's that sort of stuff and but the other problem is because like I do remember Clive Palmer he had to submit how much of his assets he had and his yeah. was like 15 pages or something. Yeah. 
Uh, so I do think there is some like it might be publicly available. Mm. If it's not, it definitely should be. Yeah. Uh, um, no one should have to be ashamed of as a polit- MP if you want to invest in a particular industry or do something like that. Sure. Sure. But we should at least know, yes, you've got an investment in, in this. And that's, and mm-hmm. if something comes up that might contravene what you're invested in, yep. absolutely, you should yeah. probably either say it and st- step aside, or you can still vote, but you need to say it. Uh-huh. Mm. Right. And people would then need to question whether or not Where, the, there's they a public. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this, the other thing that it comes back to for me publicly in australia and probably oh okay all i can really speak for is australia people here just general citizens we've just given up on politics as a whole like yeah. the majority we don't know what's even being said in parliament yeah. apart the sound bites we get through socials so and there's no like grassroots that. in like electoral politics so Not it's replaced all. by like i don't know you have uh i guess lobbyists people who are like oh i, I can get this done if i can lobby the government to do this I think um, I think there's a sense of defeatism amongst yeah. people who want change because it's very hard to bring about change. And you see it all the time. You'll have people who are really geared up and energetic to make change. They're going to think they're going to get 10% of the vote from their candidate. Oh, yeah, awesome. And he comes out at 1%. What's the yeah, point? You think? Everything just drops. But it's, it's like the things that you want to change are worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. And if it takes you 20, 50 years doesn't matter if you strongly believe in it and making yep. a better future for all of australia you should be pushing, pushing it constantly mm-hmm. this is um why i haven't given up on fab mm. <laughs> i like the one thing like for me one of the most interesting things politically about cannabis is the amount of political change cannabis can bring to the world mm. see cannabis is for me and many other people i know helped unlock areas of their brain where they start to question things they it's also to- just a wedge issue yeah. If you think about it, like it's it's kind of one of those things that if you start asking people, hey, why can't why can't a person, why can't an individual decide what to put within their own body? Yeah. Why is the like, you know, modulating our unconsciousness like, you know, effects pedals for the brain? Why aren't they legal? Mm. Um, and then that set that whole range of questions about the freedom of consciousness and the freedom of the ability of, of a person to control themselves come up as a result of that. Like I think if we wanted to take a, a dark, sinister path in that train of thought, you could say maybe that's why people are so hesitant. I mm. would agree, actually. Yeah. 100%. Um, the- actually, I personally just think that they're hesitant because not now. I think they're coming around. But 10 years ago, they're like, uh, you know what? That's like an issue maybe 5% of the people are screaming about. And... 10% of my ba- electorate might not like it. So I'm just going to pretend it, it doesn't num- exist. It's a numbers game. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's time to present. Yeah. And but it- I, I like what you thought. I, I think, you know, for the most part, right... You, you are kind of correct in the sense that we haven't reached critical mass. Mm. And that's probably, you know, a better uh, or, or more simple explanation than I've given. But um, I don't know. Like, we've we've had prohibition for... Remember how you had uh, prohibition in the US? Maybe that's just a different society, different culture and different mm. times. So different for circumstances alcohol. and what it's for alcohol. Mean? But what I'm saying is that, like, you, you have a substance that has been made illegal by the government. And within eight to ten years, it's... It's legal again. And all of the problems that were associated with it were acknowledged. Mm. Mm. Whereas with this case, no. Cannabis is just so deeply rooted. The weirdest thing about the prohibition of cannabis versus the prohibition of alcohol was that if you were going to make one prohibited... I, I recommend you. Yeah, I recommend you don't do either. But alcohol, hundred percent, because yeah, right. of the uh, the issues of addiction. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's toxic. It can kill people and stuff. 
So, but then, oh, cannabis is the illegal one. I'd find that to be the weirdest thing. There's such a disconnect between that. It's, um, it's always the argument we always come to and cannabis, you know, they often try and break it down into, oh, you could have a psychotic episode, you know, it's psychoactive. Mm. Um, meanwhile, like, as you said, alcohol could literally kill you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather go fucking crazy than fucking die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it, isn't it more that you would already be predisposed to have that see, issue? See, even that's starting to get a little more disproven as mm. time's going on. Um, it, there is those links, but we've met um, a variety of people who have like uh, bipolar and those kinds mm. of mental health issues. And some of them have gone off meds and are just smoking cannabis to manage it. And oh, it helps I reckon them it greatly. would totally work for some people. Right. Because they get would, out of that would, manic state. They've got that rubber band of like up and downs and would probably bring them more to the center. center. I don't know if it would be for everybody, but it probably someone, would work for some. Yeah. Particularly those with like any anxiety. I oh, anxiety is a big one. Like um, I've talked about it on the podcast a few times, but I know quite a couple of girls and like, you know, they get crazy anxious and they work in like retail kind mm. of jobs or uh, call center jobs where they're dealing with customer complaints and they, they smoke in the morning before they go to work. Right. And then they're just chilled out through all of work mm. um, just because that cannabis just kind of alleviates that. And it lets them go about their day. You wouldn't even know that they're stoned. Like, it's working on the nervous system and all of these different, you know, bodily functions. Because it mm. has that kind of, I don't know, um, returning to the middle. Yeah. That CBD kind of like impacts the body in really profound ways mm. that we don't necessarily recognize. Like it's all in our body. You know? Yeah. And when we were coming again into that whole consciousness kind of question, you know, mm. cannabis is a psychedelic. A lot of people really don't understand that cannabis is psychoactive, which we talk about, but what does that really mean? It really, to me and to how a lot of people understand it is you start operating at a higher level where you kind of remove yourself as the individual and you start looking at things of how things are interconnected rather than looking at how am I connected to you? I'm looking at how are we all connected together? And it just kind of builds up on there. And like, you know, it's taking that level of consciousness. You imagine like the highest level of consciousness would be like a God-like thing. I see all, I understand all, I can comprehend that. Mm. Getting high gets you not to a God level, but it takes you up a level where you start thinking a little more socially, consciously of what's going on around you in the world, in the city, wherever you are. And I think that's actually a big threat to uh, present um, governing bodies and things like that. Because yeah, if people right. start thinking about these people are fucking us over, like mm. we should do something. It, it's such a control that if you can imprison someone for thinking outside of that box, it, there's reason to keep that illegal. And I don't know how strong that is in Australia. Um, something you probably don't know of is about the UN treaty we signed in the 60s that allowed us to grow opium, mm. um, but also prohibited us from selling and growing and distributing cannabis. Mm. So we grow 50 or 75% of the world's opium supply. Yeah, somewhere between that. Somewhere really? between there, which is fucking massive, right? It's so huge. Like, most I of it's going into prescription. I, when I think of um, opium, I think of Afghanistan. Yeah. 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 Well, you've got your uh, Go CIA Tassie, and everything there but in tassie mm. we grow more than afghanistan yeah. wow. and this is for all of your oxycotton your morphine and all of this and you have the pharmaceutical companies that have been producing this now getting sued because people have been dying and forming massive addictions to oxy etc particularly in the u.s and yeah. yeah um and it's interesting um where cannabis fits in because cannabis helps with a lot of the same things yeah it's mm. true we're going, oh no, it's okay to prescribe someone fucking Oxycontin. Especially in epilepsy, if, if we're talking about all of the painkillers and all of the medications that they put on, um, maybe like a cocktail of five or six different medications versus 
um, a particular strain of cannabis or something. Yeah. You know? uh, and when we were talking about strains, something we didn't even get into too much, and I won't do it too much here, is like certain strains, you know, this one makes you happy and reduces anxiety. This one makes you happy but increases your anxiety, right? There's mm. certain things that will make people more anxious with cannabis. It's pretty funny how you have that meme on the internet, which is like, no, bro, you just need to try a different strain <laughs> because yeah. it's it's funny, but it's also like it's very true. semi-accurate. Mm. Um, one of the big things is it's like it's finding what works for you. Personally, one of the things I look at throughout human history, throughout all of history on Earth, how long has cannabis existed? Well, since before yeah, humans, well, yeah. right? It's fucking bizarre to me. And then we've been using it for thousands and thousands of years yeah. as medicines. There's as a symbiosis there. All sorts of things. And it's like, you make this plant illegal and suddenly you've got maybe more health issues than you know what have caused. Mm. Like maybe there is an actual link where we've been needing cannabis, whether it's in a raw form that doesn't get you high and you're juicing it or you're just eating mm -hmm. it or you're using it as a topping or however people are using it. Perhaps there's something there for health. Well, um, in the US or and Australia, it was potentially endemic of the reason maybe why it was banned or why people have switched off from it, yeah. where we went to the modern sort of synthesized mass produced sort of lifestyle yeah. where people would just eat five hamburgers in a row and all mass produced. Now we're moving more towards the holistic sort holistic, of grow natural sort of thing. And then the government sort of like, this brings back to that TGA issue. Mm -hmm. The regulators have not caught up with what maybe modern science is saying, you know, no, no, we need a more holistic lifestyle, we need more uh, natural sort of alternatives yeah. as well. Yeah, it, it, it's really because you know drugs are some drugs are good, and I mean like they help drugs. With what they help like yeah like um something like uh, Lipitor mm -hmm. sure. will help you with blood pressure or insulin yeah. or insulin yeah, yeah actually you know what I wish I thought it said insulin because that's probably the best example, <laughs> but there are actual chemicals so there are there are herbs there are sort of like uh, natural alternatives that you could be using yep. a lot and of we're the, seeing that a lot come up a lot more a lot of the processed medications are you know they are plant medicines mm. they've been put through a process and so i guess that's something that we are yeah like the western kind of canon yeah. the scientific canon is beginning to recognize that there are a lot of old wisdoms that it has actually um i don't know dismissed a bit too early but there's a lot of scientific like rich scientific and medical um you know information and there's so much that we can do within the space of natural medicine mm. um People have been working on it for hundreds of years in the East. Well, as well. it's apparently just fucking hoodoo voodoo, hippie voodoo. Yeah, well, my mum's a kinesiologist, just well, for everyone. You know, <coughs> she does all the, the voodoo voodoo. Some shit. of it is. Yeah, no, and it is. Oh, fuck yeah, some, some of it definitely fuck is, yeah, right? It's true, it's true. But some of it, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in it. But yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what's interesting? It might be, but we always look at placebo and then it fucking works for people. Mm. So even if it is fucking voodoo, hoodoo, blah, yeah. blah, bullshit, but it somehow works for someone. I think the mind is very How can you dismiss that? You know, like. If something genuinely helps someone, doesn't help someone else, it doesn't mean it doesn't fucking well, work. Well, it actually could be working on their body in a one way that, you know, you have a different biochemistry. Maybe it just doesn't fucking work for you. That's mm -hmm. why and different if, anxiety. If, if it is the placebo effect, then let people take it anyway, because if they generally believe it works, great. Because you let people say, oh, it's placebo. So instead you could just take a sugar pill, but that's not a placebo yeah, to them. The if they know it's a sugar pill, it's not going to work. It's not the yeah. same thing. You know, it's it's all about like a belief in something. Yeah. For and me, it also infects, sorry, it affects your other actions as well. Like if you want to yeah. be healthy, you take your multivitamins, you take your stuff, but then you also start walking. You, yeah, you start to You start watching that. your diet and you yep. start losing weight and you start getting more healthy. Little steps. And you know, that's a good thing generally. One of the um, things that I always kind of notice is like, you know, when you take a Panadol. Yeah you instantly feel relief, but you know there's no way that fuck has worked yet. It's because you mentally know that it's going to do what it's going to do for you. Yeah, the sometimes way, I just well, take a Panadol. I just take aspirin. 
oh, for that okay, reason because yeah. like I don't get that with the pad at all. I never get the instant thing, but when the, you get the dissolved aspirin, yeah, I definitely know that works straight away because it dissolves straight in and it just goes right into your yeah. blood vessels. Mm. Or does it? Maybe that's a placebo. Mm. I don't know. A lot of the um, sublingual stuff um, is where you absorb um, mm. the most. Uh, Immediately, call it like bioavailability. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if you're taking CBD oil, for example, um, which is a derivative of cannabis, mm-hmm. um, you normally just put it under the tongue, and then it'll hold it there for 30 seconds, and it'll absorb 80 percent better than if you were to swallow it. Right. Um, and I think that's starting to come through. And one of the things I see with cannabis that's maybe going to change the medical landscape is actually the idea of vaporization. Mm. Could you imagine building vaporization towards other compounds like, say, panadols and maybe even insulin and stuff like that? And you yeah. take it in a direct hit and maybe it punches you much quicker. Yeah. Um, and it actually helps with whatever kind like of... Like if I had a headache and I just I could just go... How fucking good? That would be so good. Yeah, it'd be, be way better. Right? Maybe they're sitting there and waiting 10 minutes going, oh, come on, panadol, hurry up. Like maybe there's a reason for the slow release in, in those mm. tablets. I'm not sure. Yeah, but could how be. good would it be for you? Yeah. It's these kinds of ideas. And um, one thing, like, you know, you can believe in aromatherapy or not. I personally mm. do believe in it. Like shit makes me more relaxed. Like it's just yeah. a given fact. But there's certain, you know, um, herbs and things like that, like lemon and uh, mint, and they mm. have these effects. Cannabis absorbs the smell of plants around it Mm. Um, and over thousands of years it actually becomes in its genetical profile so you have cannabis that smells like fucking lemons because it grew up near lemon Mm -hmm. trees really um yeah 100 percent um this is why you have so many strains and with weird quirky names you've got girl scout cookies which is like a chocolatey kind of thin mint and it probably was maybe something that was mixed near a coca plant and then like some sort of mint sort of thing and it gets that kind of vibe and there's a cookie terpene i can't remember what that is but anyway you have all of this and you've got these smells that actually um, work on the human body um, to relax you or whatever they do. Um, some are anti-inflammatory and all of this. Imagine you grab that smell, you grab the purest form of it, that pure terpene. You combine it with something psychoactive. So when you take that hit, maybe that effect is just punched you in the face a hundred times over because you're literally getting high on the smell. Mm. Right. So I think that's a lot of how we're starting to learn about maybe how cannabis is really working is maybe more to do with smells than just that THC component. Yeah. There's a variety of compounds in there. It's like a complex mixture. It's a Mm. very complex mixture, but it's like, you know, imagine if you're starting to develop this and you're going deep, deep in science and you really extract out those chemicals, you combine it. What happens then? You create those pure oils or you could even go into some other forms of um, medicine, but Mm. that, Cannabis has the potential to change so much of medicine that we don't even uh, know. Mm. Like it's just such an unknown because we've just gone, nah, fuck it, blacklisted. Yeah, and we've got we've lost hundreds of years of research. Luckily, people are catching up. We're yeah. catching up, and it's catching up fucking quick. And what frustrates me because we're in Australia, Australia doesn't have the best soil. Granted, mm. depends on the areas, but we just generally don't have the best soil. But we can make good shit. soil. Yeah. But we have some of the best fucking light, some of the best fucking water, some of the best air quality. Mm. We could grow potentially literally the best, the world's best supply of cannabis. Mm. Like, and we could almost do that year round. There's no fucking question. And if you want to jump on the greenie train, you know, like if you want to start getting rid of um, petrol and all of this, imagine fucking pumping in hemp, everything sort of hemp crops. You start producing hemp oil and you start producing hemp powered cars. Mm-hmm. It's possible. I don't know if you know this. Um, you're a bit of a nerdy dude. Um, you can actually turn hemp into fucking capacitors. Really? And they're more dense 
than present day capacitors. How much does it cost though to do that? I think it's fucking expensive. Yeah, but like, okay. let's but not maybe... break. Let's not break things down to cost. Not yet. Cost Obviously. is fucking irrelevant in yeah. my mind. If it's fucking doable, you'll find a way to do it at cost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, that yeah. money doesn't matter in my mind for like development. Yeah. You know that that comes <laughs> money comes as a result of development. Mm. So, you got to spend money to make money. Nice. Exactly. Um, even even if you don't make money. <laughs> I think one of the things me that's kind of cool is capacitors. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and there's also so hempcrete. Many so yeah. hempcrete instead of like using um, gyprock and that sort of stuff for your walls for building houses, yep. um, fireproof um, can be bulletproof. Like more resistant and it's eco-friendly so mm. like it's like all of these kinds it can of be eco-friendly if you're doing like regenerative ag- agriculture i'd say like if you're doing the big monocultural shit mm. it's still probably better than like a cotton farm but it's not we put a big emphasis better. on uh the cotton farms that are draining from soil so cannabis actually gives back to the soil as well that's like a whole other thing yeah yeah it's, it's a it's, it's a bit of a better plant for the soil yeah um <laughs> you know you've got these cotton farms that are literally just draining you know the murray mm. darling dry um, and now these cotton farms aren't even operating. All they're doing is trading water tokens between each mm-hmm. other. And that's how they're making a lot of money. They're not growing cotton as much anymore. I reckon you could use hemp trees as like the canopy, right? And then you could have smaller organisms, like smaller little plants or maybe like fruits or veggies mm-hmm. growing under them. So it creates an ecosystem. Then you don't necessarily have to, like that would be a way to actually create organic cannabis and organic hemp. Because then you would have, um, regardless of whether there are pesticides or whatever there would be an actual like self-sustaining loop that mm. is provided by nature for itself. example like a good way to stop pesticides um is, uh using them in a garden with when you're growing tomatoes mm-hmm. grow onions and garlic right yeah. that stops a lot of the bugs from going anywhere near them yet um on a commercial farm you're not doing this because no. mm-hmm. it's not as viable well we're yeah. a tomato yeah. farm right it's true so they'd rather spray it with a whole bunch of shit and then you don't really know what's going into your food mm-hmm. and it's uh these things i think that are being often overlooked um and this is we can make environmental like reform and environmental yeah, changes it, but and they got to go to the very bottom like our food systems and all that what, stuff. what's frustrating to me is we've formed these kinds of crazy ideas of politics it's like if you're on the left side mm. you're a fucking greenie right? <laughs> yeah if you're on the right yep. side you're a gun fucking nut fucking nazi nazi, nazi right <laughs> don't like immigrants yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck immigrants right? yeah. even though they've saved the country like yeah. where would the economy be otherwise that's yeah, funny right and you, you, just somehow there's no middle ground. Like, why yeah. can't you find... And it's like being on the middle. Oh, oh, you're, you're well, worse actually, than both of them. Yeah, that's when like the lefties and the righties beat you up because like, damn, you centrist, pick a side, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Join us or else. Yeah. And the weird thing is like, you know, regardless of whether you're, you're a, you know, left, right on the political spectrum or you identify with that, right? Many ways to, to crack an egg. And many people think about left politics or right politics in really diverse ways and Mm. there's a lot of overlap like you know if we're talking about libertarians here um plenty plenty of stuff about individual uh liberty and choice that i actually agree with to an extent right yeah so fair enough i'm 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 into that uh and there's so many other ideologies that they have a truth you know they have a perspective to them so maybe there's like a little bit of truth in them there's truth in most things right like it's just what's more true is what people jump to and, what, and we're always trying to just like make what, there up. is some truth but then what grew out of that truth is like something that's not true and yeah it's could horrible. be, could yeah. be yeah. you know you know and that's the thing is is like um there's so much potential for if you're just thinking about theory and ideology mm. very different to practice and the way that you execute on the ground level yeah and um 
like linking those two things together and being able to communicate with each other on these issues. That's the, the dialectic where we actually learn from each other. Like the left learns from the right. Really, if you think about it, left and right are just, in my opinion, a way to divide up the working class. It's a way to divide up regular people. Um, regular people in comparison to super mega uh, powerful people. Mm -hmm. um, and because they don't have, like their politics is just keep things relatively the same. That's a pretty centrist approach, but it's centrist within the kind of like bourgeois it's idea. Very, it's very authoritarian. It is, eh? Yeah. So, you know, left, right, regardless of whether you sit on, on that, just recognize that you're a regular human being like every other cunt, regardless of what you do, right? And that's part of it is, is seeing that they're your brothers and sisters. Mm. Work together with them, you know, even if you're competing with them, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. No, it's fair enough. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's a pretty good area to kind of start wrapping up on. Yeah, we're at, we're at like one minute seven, guys, or one hour, one hour seven. One minute Fuck. seven, jeez. the longest one minute ever. <laughs> It's the longest <laughs> minute of all time. Fuck, I've smoked too much weed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, um, thanks, guys. Um, thank you, Anthony, for coming on. Yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, uh, that's fun. Yeah, this was good. Thank I you. really appreciate being able to come on, guys. And uh, look, if you're an Ipswich, I have to plug myself here. Of course. <laughs> like if, I, if, if you're an Ipswich and you're living in Division 2, uh, and you liked some of the things I said at the start of the podcast, then vote for me on the 20th of March. Anthony Bull, vote one. Awesome. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Thanks mate. Cheers. Catch you next time, maybe. <laughs> See ya. Cool.